Welcome to the Climate Capital Podcast, where we interview founders who are solving the most difficult and important decarbonization problems. This episode is led by me, Vijay Rajendran of Climate Capital, where I'm a syndicate investor. Today, we are interviewing Kiran Basraju, who is the founder and CEO of Arcadia, a global utility data platform. Previously, Kiran founded American Efficient, a virtual power plant software platform that was acquired by Modern Energy. Kieran began his career on Capitol Hill, working on energy and national security issues. He is a published author, sits on the board of Solar Holler, Appalachia's largest rooftop solar company, and serves on the World Wildlife Fund National Council. Kieran holds a BA from the University of Pennsylvania and is a proud Kentucky colonel. Founded in 2014, Arcadia has raised over $400 million in venture capital and has more than 700 employees worldwide. Full disclosure, Climate Capital is an investor in Arcadia, and CC Pod is not an investment advice and is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Kieran, welcome. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, Vijay. Excited to be here. Tell me, where are you located? And uh, I mentioned uh, you're back in Kentucky. Tell us more about where you grew up. Yeah, of course. So I'm sitting here in Washington, D.C. Um, I've been in the city now for almost 15 years, but um, I grew up uh, in a part of the country that I don't think many people have been to, uh, deep in the mountains of uh, Appalachia in eastern Kentucky uh, in a town called Pikeville. My, uh, my father is an immigrant uh, doctor that landed in eastern Kentucky, and it really was coal country. Um, it was the middle of coal country. Uh, at one point, the county I grew up in, Pike County, was, I think, the wealthiest county per capita because of coal money. And it is the complete opposite today. I think that those parts of the country that, that generated coal for, for a century are, are pretty tough. But that was uh, where I grew up and became fascinated with uh, energy and, um, and doing something about the fossil fuel uh, you know, infrastructure and world that we live in. Thanks for sharing that. And I'd love to circle back during our conversation in terms of, you know, how uh, that perspective kind of shapes uh, your decisions as a, as, as a business leader and outlook in terms of the people and communities uh, that you have, uh, are uh, able to impact. Speaking of which, and the impact you're having, uh, tell us, how do you introduce yourself to people at a party or at a conference? Yeah, it is interesting because um, uh, you know I run an energy company. It's also a tech company, um, and so you know I I tell folks you know we are um, you know one of the more I think unique energy transition companies because we are a software data business. Um, we've never built infrastructure. We don't own assets, right? We deal with um bits not atoms uh even though all of our customers are uh dealing in atoms and um so as the founder of this company it's sort of interesting to straddle these two worlds of like the the energy transition but also software and tech yeah uh and, and that certainly sounds like something uh, unexpected because uh, when most people think of energy company they they think of extracting something out of the earth that's to totally right. Uh, we are, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about all the companies that we interact with that are customers of Arcadia, um, like they are installing stuff. They're the infrastructure companies, right? They are, uh, 
there's a great line from Saul Griffith uh, that we need to install a billion new machines onto the power grid. And you know, I like to think our software platform is helping uh, helping that happen across the country and around the world. Very cool. And uh, what's something sort of unexpected or uh, that might be surprising uh, to, to people that they, they learn about you when they meet you and get to know you? You know, I mean, growing up in Eastern Kentucky as an Indian American is, is pretty unique. Uh, I got to mm-hmm. say, like, I love country music. I'm a huge Kentucky basketball fan. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that my experience growing up uh, in in that part of the country is actually now one of the poorest congressional districts in America really shaped me. I think is unique. And I would also say, like, I didn't grow up. I wasn't one of these people that had a lemonade stand. Like, I didn't ever think I'd be in business. Um, I thought I was going to be involved uh, working in nonprofits or uh, working in public policy, uh, which is what I did before this. Um, it just turned out that that was part of the adventure uh, to, to make an impact, make a difference was uh, starting a company. But this was definitely not not the journey I thought I'd be on, um, you know, back in the day. So let's dive into that origin story. Um, tell us about, you know, how you you came to start with this, this shift from policy to building an energy uh, company, how you built uh, and uh, and met your team, uh, and why decide to build this company? Yeah, so I immediately after college, I uh, came to Washington D.C. to work on Capitol Hill, and I thought it was the most incredible job in the world uh, as a you know twenty one, twenty two year old in the halls of Congress attempting to figure out. Um, you know <laughs> how to write a law, um, and I worked on I worked on some really interesting stuff, including um, some early climate legislation that failed, um, and just learned a ton about um, sort of local issues right. around the utility um, ownership, how decisions get made, how infrastructure gets built. I mean, I really and got what PhD. time period was that yeah. historically for for folks to kind of think about what was happening in DC? Yeah, of course it was. Um, so I the the congressman I worked for got elected in the 2006 wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is like, you know, the midst of the Iraq war. Um, a lot of Democrats sort of took, took back the house and came to the Hill. And look, there's been a lot of different climate bills. Um, sort of most notably was one called Waxman Markey. Um, that you know, sort of say was precursor to the IRA would have created certain types of carbon markets, expanded tax credits, a lot of things you're seeing today. Um, and we took a vote on it in the House, but it never came and it passed, but it never came up for a vote in the Senate. Um, there's there's a whole history of just that bill and the, the frankly, the failure of that bill um, that I'm sure, you know, listeners can find on the internet. But it was, again, a fin- like a fascinating education uh, on energy markets, new energy technologies, what was happening um, in in an energy world. And I just, I caught the bug. Like I basically, basically I caught it. I call it my red pill. Um, yeah. I sort of saw what was going to be the single biggest sort of economic, uh, transition, uh, period, I think over our lifetimes, which is the shift away from fossil fuels. Um, it's just something that was like so dramatic that I, I had to work on. Um, also because of this dual benefit of the fact that, you know, we were burning up our planet and we had to do something. So I sort of caught the bug, um, to work in energy and, and realized, you know, like we weren't gonna, 
after that failure, um, and, and frankly, it was 15 years later, right, until we had federal legislation around climate and energy, um, I thought, you know, starting a company would be the way to go about it. And, you know, I was part of the founding team of a company called American Efficient um, before Arcadia, where we were, we were, you know, doing, we didn't call it virtual power plant software at the time, but we were effectively doing something very similar, um, helping buildings uh, make money through what's called capacity markets, effectively like helping monetize how a building uses energy um, in, in power markets. And so it was just like a fascinating first journey, starting a company in a highly regulated space in energy, raising capital, you know, building a team, all, all those things. So it was, a, it was an amazing sort of start. Um, and then from there, so, you know, one of the, the biggest pain points in that company was getting data. Um, you know, if we went to a building, you know, we wanted to understand what products had been installed, how much energy they were using, what the different energy pricing tariffs looked like locally. And all of that data that lives with the local utility is effectively locked up and we would do things like print out pdfs um you know log into customer accounts uh, with the utility and just realized that there had to be a better way um to access that data but also that the data that lives with the utilities is like pr- pretty foundational to the energy transition and if it's not available easily um accessible and understandable then we were really not going to install all the new products and you know, the solar, the battery, the EV chargers that um, we need to uh, as quickly. So that was sort of the the origin story to start Arcadia was coming out of like the, the biggest pain point of operating the last startup. Wow. Uh, and so unpeeling the, the onion here with um, the solution, why is it important? Why is it so foundational to have this information and who needs it? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to, you know, we're, what Saul Griffith said, right? We're going to install billions of machines on the grid, mostly distributed machines, whether it's heat pumps, um, solar, energy storage, EV chargers, new HVAC systems, on and on and on. And um, in order to do that, to understand what's happening at a local level, uh, to give the customer a value proposition, you effectively need to know how it's going to interact with the local utility. Right. And that was, that was the key insight from the last company was like, you know, we could say, Oh, we're going to make you more efficient. We're going to install LED lights. We're going to do demand response. But if you didn't have data from the meter, um, you just wouldn't be able to, uh, underwrite it, but then also be able to like tell the customer what the value prop is. And so again, it just, it just felt foundational. Now the problem going back to the problem is we have thousands of monopoly utilities. Right, that own have franchise rights to basically say, you know, for the city of Washington D.C., we're the only company that can run a wire and put a meter in your home. And um, I was, I actually saw a lot of parallels. And at the time, there was a company in the fintech space that was growing called Plaid, that was effectively unlocking data from the incumbent, and in that case, it was the bank, to new financial services companies like Robinhood and Venmo, etc. And so it felt like there was something very similar here. So there was going to be thousands of companies vying to install new energy services and they needed access and data to the incumbent. 
Um, and so the solution um, in the early days was was as basic as that. It was like, can we create an API, a single portal, a single place to go for any new energy company to get the data that they need to install and run their business um, from utilities? And the the ultimately, I think the the thing we have solved well is making that super simple so that if you need data from Louisville Gas and Electric, Florida Power and Light, Portland General, you know, uh, and now international utilities, like there would be a one-stop shop and a single place to go. You didn't have to knock on a thousand doors and, you know, print out PDFs or, or, uh, you know, beg the utility to give you data. Um, and today we're, we're, I will say like, we're, that solution, that data access, um, we've expanded now to over 10,000 utilities globally, which is really, really amazing. That's uh, amazing uh, to, to sort of see that uh, impact because behind each of those utilities is thousands or millions of customers. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it is hard to understand the the value right that lives in the account for those that haven't haven't really thought about it like within the utility account you can not only get historical energy usage data um but you have energy pricing data what tariffs are available to that customer because oftentimes it's not just um hey you pay 10 cents a kilowatt hour every hour of the day there's time of use rates there's demand charges there's all these interest there's taxes there's all sorts of different components of how energy is priced throughout the day. Um, and there's on-time payment history in that account. Like, did that customer pay their bill on time? And is and we have used that actually successfully as a way to underwrite customers to say that, you know, uh, it, as a better indicator of credit quality than a FICO score. Yeah, it's almost shocking yeah. that this is a better indicator than, you know, what a credit bureau would publish. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like a credit bureau, just, you know, they, they don't have access to this data either, right? The only data they're accessing is, is generally, um, you know, credit card bills, maybe mortgage payments, auto, auto loan payments, um, so debt payments. But in reality, um, a family is going to pay their power bill, usually before they pay a credit card bill. Um, yeah, power lifetime. and rent are two things that, um, you know, your credit score never captures, but, you know, Obviously, uh, housing and um, and power are basic uh, requirements. Exactly right. And I'll give an example of this too with how it's sort of. I think we've we've been able to use this really effectively. Um, we're the largest manager of community solar projects uh, in the country. Actually, just recently we announced uh, crossing two gigawatts of community solar managed across fifteen states. It's more than seven hundred sort of individual large scale solar projects. And in the early days of this product, um, you know, a developer would build a project and they would come to Arcadia and say, hey, you know, we want to use your software to manage the billing, the settlements, um, and community solar is virtual. So you can live in an apartment, you can connect like a thousand customers to a single community solar project. And before we came along, all these projects required uh, a credit check and a really high credit score. And what we basically said was, if we can can prove this customer paid their power bill on time, going back also historically, 
Um, we shouldn't have to gather a credit score and we should honestly be able to expand access to who can actually get, get this product. And, you know, we've been able to do that for what, what is, you know, approximately like $4 billion in new solar installed on the grid um, using historical usage, you know, on-time payment history and usage data to underwrite customers. So again, a lot of value lives in that utility account. And just because it's, it sits with the incumbent doesn't, you know, you know, that was the core problem, right? Is getting that data out and, and making it usable just had so many uh, benefits to so many different players in the ecosystem. That's so cool. And it sounds so elegant when you describe it now. Uh, I'm sure it took some, uh, some sweat and, uh, and real, uh, effort, uh, to, to get it to the place it is today. Um, but, you know, thinking about your journey, you know, you mentioned 10,000 utilities, 700 solar projects. I mean, this is a very impressive scale, but I'm sure there were many, uh, hard days on the way here. Um, can you tell us the story of the biggest challenge or problem or even crisis uh, that Arcadia faced and, you know, something you learned from it? We've had so many <laughs> because now we're coming up on our 10th year. Um, you know, I'll, th- I'll say more recently, um, you know, the company has been scaling, um, you know, growing, uh, like you said, geographically in different use cases and, and then a really funny thing happened in, the, in with the IRA. Um, we, you know, the invest the Inflation Reduction Act passed in August um, of you know uh, twenty two, and it was an incredible moment, right? I mean, if you can remember that period in time, people thought the bill was dead. You know, weeks later, the bill's passed, and uh, you know, the, the biggest climate legislation I think in human history, right? Uh, in terms of investment. And, you know, just an amazing moment. I actually, as a founder, I was sort of recommitted to the long term of the business, knowing that we just had these massive tailwinds. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even as somebody that worked in public policy, I should have seen this coming. Uh, but something unique happened in, in the sense that, like, none of the rules got written until very recently. And so you had a bill that passed, legislation that was written you know, endless analysis of how this is going to affect different parts of the ecosystem. Um, but no one had actually seen a dollar of value um, until very, very recently, almost, you know, as we're right. talking six, 15, 16 months later. And so we, uh, we just had, we had a really tough year actually last year because we could not, um, you know, a lot of community solar projects were, were frankly put on hold. And it's not because the developers, anything, you know, around the market, it was just nobody wanted to turn on a project until they knew what kind of credits they were going to get, what kind of value out of the bill. And the same is true now that, you know, our data platform serves almost every single segment of electrification from rooftop solar to energy storage to EV companies, heap up companies, community solar, on and on and on. And there just seemed to be this like pause in installation um, uh, across the board. And, you know, it was an interesting, tough, it was a tough year because we had to sort of pause some investments, sort of wait out the market um, in this realization that I knew, I always knew from the beginning of the company, but which became very stark is that so much of this market is driven by 
um, you know, regulatory tailwinds and headwinds and understanding those is still so crucial. And it was just a, a reminder. So it was, a, it was a tough year. I mean, we had to like shift, uh, we had to reforecast, we had to shift, you know, our hiring and what we were focusing on. Um, the good news is a lot of those rules are in place now. So 24 and onward look, look really bright. That's really exciting. And uh, I, I'm sure it will come to a surprise or, or at least sound counterintuitive to people that after passing this uh, law, the IRA, that uh, you actually faced new policy or regulatory ambiguity. Um, what, what, what percentage of the way through the, uh, the bill and, and forming of rules and, uh, and, and new regs would you say we are right now it sounds like there's still like uh, a lot of um you know roads still to cover yeah no i think we're i think we're like 70 percent of the way like there mm-hmm. are still i mean as recent as maybe two weeks ago um you know tax credits for hydrogen production right um just came out again 16 months later um, so you know uh, these things take time. Like I've been told by a lot of technocrats in DC that, you know, we don't want to get it wrong. We don't, we want to get it right. It's a lot of money. And I respect that. Um, but you know, it, we can also, we can, we can definitely move faster. I think America's still a little rusty when it comes to industrial policy. Um, yes. Uh, and but, once the toothpaste is uh, out of the tube, it's really hard to put it back in. Well, so that's the thing, right? I mean, no. we're, we're, um, and we've been saying this as a DC based company, we're, we've been pretty involved is that uh, you want to make sure there's some ribbon cuttings well before an election season. Um, you want to make sure voters are seeing the value, whether they're upgrading their home or um, getting some of these products like heat pumps and solar, you want to make sure they're seeing the value. And so, you know, the speed does matter, not just for the climate, but for, um, you know, making sure people actually understand like why we're doing these things to make people's lives better. I think that's another learning that people can take away from this is, you know, speed does matter. <laughs> Definitely. Speed, speed matters. And, um, you know, uh, in a deep, deep, I think it's true for all climate companies, probably every company in your portfolio, a really deep understanding of the regulatory context that the, the company operates in is, is paramount. I think maybe some of the best founders in, in climate and energy, like they understand that deeply. Absolutely. Uh, and for you as a founder, where have you personally grown the most on this, you know, epic 10 year journey? I mean, just in almost every way. And I'm sure and there's still like a lot of blind spots, you know, look, I, I don't think I was ever a great manager, hands on manager. And I, I feel like I've, uh, um, I was one very early in the company to just avoid conflict. Um, and, have just learned like that that is you know the most important thing right is to be uh hold people accountable be honest um and just make sure you know if there's elephants in the room no matter how big or small they're sort of said out loud and just being a good manager and a good good ceo i think that's part of it is being upfront honest transparent you know i think i think it's those things about just building a team motivating a team holding them accountable. Those have been the, the biggest learnings in general that I, I feel like I still have a, a ways to go on as well. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and certainly, uh, conflict can uh, help people recommit. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to uh, create toxicity uh, if there is um, you know, high trust and intention. And I think that that's an important takeaway for, for people. That's right. 
moving into kind of our reflections then, how do you think the world will change uh, if you succeed? So fast forward another 10 years um, and we, we, we bake in the changes that are where we, we will hopefully catalyze with the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, data is out there more. Um, paint us a picture of, of that future. Yeah, I think there's, um, I love thinking about this. <laughs> um, and I think there's like two futures, two, two things in the future of the energy market um, that we help accelerate. Um, one is just the proliferation of distributed energy um, and distributed energy resources. Um, we, what's, what's amazing, even since when I started the company, is how much more solar there is how cheap batteries have gotten, how ubiquitous EVs now are across different segments, you know, furthering energy efficiency, uh, the explosion of heat pumps. And again, all these products, in order to sell their value prop, they need data. They need data on energy usage. They need data on tariffs and how to manage around those the energy price signals that exist. And, and so I think if we do our job well, we just absolutely explode the DER market. I think Community Solar is a great example of that. When we started the business, there were like a few community solar gardens, uh, is what they were called, because they were just little, like tiny things in Vermont and Colorado. And now it's a multi gigawatt sector, one of the fastest growing segments. Um, and I like to think we have a, a big, I mean, we're the largest manager of these assets. So I think we have a large, we have a big uh, case. Set. So I think the distribution of DERs. Um, and, and ultimately what that means is it fundamentally means a very different utility structure. And this may be more than a decade out. Uh, but, you know, I don't think utilities should manage generation. And we've seen that experiment. I should experiment. We've seen that across Europe and in a bunch of different markets, especially Texas, where you have a private independent power producers and the utilities are simply the wires and the coordinator. And I think if we do our job right and, and you look f- far enough into the future, you've got tons of distributed energy resources. Customers have so are so much more empowered, both producing power, managing power. Um, and I think it just furthers this argument that the utilities should evolve to be out of the game, the generation game, and just be in the distribution of the wires game. Uh, and that's that's like I think ultimately. There, there's a there's so many people working on that transition, but I think it's one of the things that we uniquely help unlock by by getting this data out in the world. That will be a game changer. Yeah. What Definitely. has been the most helpful piece of advice you've received as a founder, Kieran? There's been so much talked about uh, climate and the mission related to it, but the thing I've just been thinking about for the longevity of the company is uh, you got to have a great business. And it doesn't matter. Uh, in some respects, like you know, we, we hire missionaries. We hire people that care deeply about the mission. Um, but if the business isn't solid, if the unit economics aren't solid, uh, then you can never sort of achieve that mission, right? And I think I, I hear this often from climate founders, especially people that are new to, to this industry. They're they're here for the right reasons. They're building companies in the space for the right reasons because they care deeply. But I remember getting this advice early in the company's history where I think I was, uh, you know, not necessarily focused on, you know, how to build a great 
business, uh, but just how how like mul- how that's a multiplier for our climate impact over time. Absolutely, and I think we're there. I think we're there. Uh, speaking of multiplying uh, impact, uh, is there anything our audience can do to help you with that? And uh, how can people find you and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, feel free. You know, I'll, uh, my email address is I try to be as successful as I can. It's K I R A N at arcadia.com. I mean, we're looking for, you know, what's interesting about our platform is we work with large enterprises, um, the Fortune 50, but also startups. Um, you know, the new, like, uh, we just, you know, the, one of our newest customers, right, is installing heat pumps uh, in the Midwest and wants, you know, uh, residential data to, to provide customers proposals. So anytime, you know, you hear of a new energy company, carbon accounting company, uh, prop tech company that needs utility data. Um, you know, I hope they think about us and, and come our way. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Kieran. Thank you so much uh, for your, your time and for sharing your powerful story and all the uh, progress and success that you've had uh, on this journey. It's been really fun and uh, we hope that uh, people will um, follow up and uh, learn more about uh, Arcadia and uh, watch uh, your, your journey as it continues. Thank you, Vijay. Appreciate it. Thank you to everyone for listening to our conversation with Kieran about his journey with Arcadia. If you would like to learn more about Arcadia or get involved with the work Climate Capital is doing, you can check out our website, climatecapital.co. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.